Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. I'm Hudson Long and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me, as always, is senior staff writer and all-around awesome guy, Ryan Whitfield. How you doing, Ryan? Okay, Ryan. And of course, as is we always, we always have a few technical difficulties in starting the show. Here we go again. Oh, cool. Hey, Ryan. Yes, we got you this time. Hey. Yeah, all right. You know what? It, just, it wouldn't be a complete show if we didn't have something go wrong in the very beginning in the opening. So here we go. You're welcome, fan base. You're welcome. How you doing, Ryan? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm super psyched because, of course, as you know, the new Star Wars movie is coming out. I got tickets to opening night. I know you're not super excited about that, but I'm going to be using this lightsaber sound drop over and over again today, so don't get too annoyed about that. No worries. <laughs> and I assume you've recovered from the Monday night. Oh, yeah. Recovered real quick. Uh, it, it was a frustrating game, but we know what the tipping point is now. You can't have your best offensive weapon. Your uh, leading tackler and your leading sack getter out. The next man up is cute and all, but there is a breaking point, and man, we found it out on Monday. Right, right, and uh, and and the good news, of course, for Hogan back on the field, and you signed Kenny Britt. <laughs> How about that, huh? How about them apples? Kenny, Kenny Britt got a crazy power slam. Yeah, I think, I think Kenny Britt is a backup plan for if Gronk can't go. Um, you know, you saw it last week. You need somebody who's uh, who's taking physical and can uh, perform in the red zone. And the only guy left on the roster besides Gronk now is Kenny Britt. So I think that's uh, the reason for it. So, so yeah, I, I understand it. Yep, you definitely need big dudes there because you need somebody to go up there. All right, so let's get rolling because we got a lot to talk about today. And as usual, we're starting with our unsportsmanlike conduct segment. So what do you got on tap for us today, Ryan? Well, it's been a couple weeks, so I'm going to do uh, three. I'm taking aim at three different people, and I'm going to try to go through them in each about 20 seconds. First, to the fans of Jacksonville, you losers, you classless, absolute (laughs) animal, joke artist. You're going to start throwing stuff on the field and taunting, uh, taunting the you know, opposing teams, a team that won a Super Bowl three years, when you haven't been relevant since 2007, when you got smoked by the Patriots in the playoffs, what a joke. What a classless group of morons there. Uh, so if I was Jefferson, I, I was rooting for Jefferson in that moment. I wish he'd gone up into the stands, Mike Milbury from the Bruins style, and uh, started pounding people's faces in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so, that, so that's number one. Number two, um, you know, the, the, the Will McCains of the world, and uh, the, I'm forgetting his name now, the, the, the idiot from uh, first take on ESPN. Watch, I can't remember why I can't remember his name. Um, but the... <laughs> You know, Brady has a bad game, and here comes everybody with the hot takes, and the cliff is back, and all this talk of the 40-year-old, and uh, the comparisons to Peyton Manning, how he dropped off a cliff. Uh, Peyton Manning had, a, had basically a non-human neck 
by the end of his career. So to to equate the two is not is not equivocal. And he has one bad game, and we got to hear all this crap again. It's absolutely frustrating. And third and finally, you know, I had to take my Jeff Fisher shots right up until the end. Um, so I got to take my Chuck Pagano shots right up until the end. I get that that that, that game, the conditions were were unbelievable on Sunday. Uh, but the fact that it was like I think there was like two minutes left in the first quarter before the Colts threw their first pass. What are you what are you playing conservative for? Your team's got like three wins. You're like three and eight on the season. You're not going to pass the ball because it's snowing out? What a joke. Throw the ball down the field, you idiot. Oh, my God. Playing conservative like he's trying to play field possession, like he's got a chance to make it into the postseason. Just another another point in proof of why he is a moron who doesn't get it. So all those people, you're all morons. All right. Well, that wouldn't be complete if you didn't call somebody a moron each week there, Ryan. So thanks for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say – Jacksonville Jaguars have announced that they have banned four fans that were responsible for throwing objects. There is an ongoing investigation in in, in, uh, in uh, conjunction with the NFL as well. Uh, yeah, classless, totally classless. Uh, and as far as Brady's concerned, you know, I, I think that all the uh, all the uh, criticism coming out of the woodwork here is, is really nonsense. I agree with you on that. I will say this: there is this kind of lingering Achilles issue that's kind of popped up in the background. Maybe it's an issue. I don't know. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying it isn't. It, uh, but it has been limiting his practice time. So you think that Achilles issue might be something that's bothering Brady? Um, I, I don't think so. I think what you saw Sunday is that, uh, or Monday, is a lot of people are getting frustrated around here at Brandon Cook saying how he doesn't fight for the ball. Um, he can't go over the middle and stuff. And, like, that, that's not his game plan, and it was never supposed to be who he was. You have Gronk to run the deep seams. You have you had Edelman and Amendola do the underneath stuff, and Cooks is supposed to be the, the you know, the outside, take the top off the defense, big play guy. So um, what you saw on Sunday was, I think, and there were some missed throws early, but what you, what you really saw, in my opinion, was just um, Cooks isn't good enough to get that single separation uh, when he's really the only guy you have to key on. Hogan hadn't played in over a month. And you really had – you didn't have anybody else. So, I mean, I don't think Brady played particularly well. Um, but I'm not putting a lot of stock in the Pats. And at the end of the day, the Patriots are four uh, four and five in the last five seasons in South Beach. So, they never played well there. Yep. Okay. Well, that's, that's our hot takes on the Unsportsmanlike Conduct segment. Let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one and move on to our next topic, which we're going to be talking about our top five power rankings. Uh, had a little bit of a hiatus, so we have a little bit of updating to do. Ryan, why don't you give us your top five? Yes, yeah, so obviously a lot's changed. So uh, my updated list is uh, number five, the New Orleans Saints. Number four, the Los Angeles Rams. Number three, Minnesota Vikings. Number two, the Patriots. And number one, Pittsburgh. Wow. You know, it's very interesting because we have a lot of similarities there. Um, I actually, believe it or not, in my top five power rankings, still have the Eagles there at number five. Um, I don't know what to do here, honestly, because the defense has been pretty solid and they're the same, so I don't think there's anything that's changed there. They still have Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, and Zach Ertz will be returning. I know Foles is no Wentz, but, you know, I still think there's some potential there, so I, I left them at five. Otherwise, the rest of our rankings look pretty similar. I have Minnesota at four. I got the Rams at three. I got the Patriots at two and the Steelers at one. So what was the most important factor in putting the Steelers at one uh, for you, Ryan? Um, that you have to take a snapshot of where, uh, where each team is uh, currently. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, the Steelers uh, have had over the last couple of weeks, a lot of games that looked like they were going to lose that they had to fight tooth and nail for, but they pulled out those right. victories. And, uh, yep. you know, 
it's not just a record thing, but I, you know, they have the they have the best seed in the AFC right now, and you know, I think this weekend is going to tell us a lot. But right now, I think you have to give it to Pittsburgh until until further notice. Yeah, and we're going to get to that breakdown of that very important AFC game later in the show. But uh, I agree. I think you know, obviously, Big Ben has had ridiculous performances uh, since the bye in Week Nine. We'll talk about that more later. But the defense of the Pittsburgh Steelers has really stepped up. Um, Cameron Hayward, nine sacks. T.J. Watt actually has the second most sacks by a Steelers rookie ever at six. Now, of course, the, the first most ever was nine, so he saw the way to go. But that's, uh, you know, it's pretty telling that they have a pretty, uh, pretty solid defense there to bring a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So, right at this point, I would have to give it to the Steelers as well. There's a lot to talk about when we get to the, to the matchup this week between the Steelers and the Patriots. But I want to turn our attention now to the Eagles. And, you know, I know it's not really on your power rankings. I kind of left them floating there at five. We all know now that Wentz is uh, out for the season with an ACL tear. So that is uh, a real a real tragedy for them because I think Carson Wentz was actually the real deal and he really had turned the corner. And he had already set the season record for most touchdowns uh, in the in a season for, for the franchise uh, and only uh, in only uh, 14 games or 13 games actually so boy that's something what do you think about the Eagles now post Wentz what do you think their chances are what does their outlook look like for the rest of this season um, their outlook is uh is you know uh, grim they I think they you know they're still going to make the playoffs and they're probably um, still hold on. Well, I wouldn't say probably, but they could hold on to a one or two seed. Uh, but I mean, I think we, I think we know what Nick Foles is. He was kind of a flash in the pan uh, in 2013, and really hasn't been able to replicate it since. In, um, you know, so I just, I think there's enough. Yeah, I think there's enough on the defensive side of the ball. I think. You know, if, if if you really ask me, put a you know, put maybe pull the trigger on this. You know, I I don't honestly believe that Alshon Jeffrey is a true 1A receiver. He's a 1B, kind of the same uh, you know, class that put Brandon Cooks. Um, mm. That if you have a good enough offense, he can be your best receiver. But if you have subpar quarterback play or below average quarterback play, which I think you'll get from Nick Foles, and need the receiver to dictate, I, you know, he's not in that Julio Jones, Antonio Brown class. So, and I, so I don't think the weapons are – you know, I think Carson Wentz has made those guys look better at receiver this year than vice versa, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yep. I think yep. offensively they're going to struggle. They're still kind of inconsistent in the run game and, you know, really running back by committee um, and not in a way where I think it's a strength. I think that they're still struggling to find kind of a bell cow, um, and that's why they rotated around. Right. So, you know, I just – I don't think they – I don't – you know, maybe they win a playoff game. Uh, but they're certainly not winning a playoff game on the road, and I and I think that they fall to the two, maybe even the three seed at this point. So, um, unfortunately for the Eagles, who I was very high on all year, um, you know, you have to be out when you when you have an injury like that. And not to mention, we've talked about it all year. They've had actually multiple injuries, so it's not like yeah. they've been super healthy and now they've just lost, um, you know, uh, just lost. Carson Wentz, but you know, Jason Peters, and it's like, well, you still got Carson yeah. Wentz, you still have a good enough defense, you can overcome that. And you can keep saying that, but as I said with the Patriots, there is a tipping point eventually for a team. Yeah. And I think Carson Wentz is that for the Eagles, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, he is definitely the key to that offense. And actually, uh, this week we did a Twitter poll, and the question was uh, phrased this way The Eagles are now 11 and 2, but they've lost Carson Wentz for the season. The Raiders 
were 12 and 3 in 2016. They were having a magical season prior to losing Derek Carr, and then they promptly lost in the first round of the NFL playoffs. The question in the Twitter poll was without Wentz, will the Eagles be this year's Raiders? And um, the results are in 53% said no, that they will at least win their first playoff game, and 48% said yes, they will lose in their first playoff game. So incredibly close. It's definitely very divided. Now, this isn't the first time Nick Foles has actually stepped in like this. Of course, he took over from Michael Vick after his injury in 2013, led him to an 8-3 and record in a playoff berth. Now, that led to a 2014 Pro Bowl for Foles, as well as, well as an award for, I believe it or not, Pro Bowl offensive MVP. I had forgotten that he had done that. Um, the Eagles have already clinched NFC East. You only need one more win over the next three games versus the Giants, Raiders, and Cowboys to get a first-round bye. And if Minnesota also loses a game in the next three, the Eagles also clinch home field advantage. So it's possible, to I think it's possible, that, that Nick Foles can take them to the Super Bowl. I, I just don't think it's, it's likely. I just think it's, it's possible. Uh, and according to the Elias Sports Bureau, um, quarterbacks that have won at least 10 games in a season for their playoff-bound team but did not make a playoff start going back to 1970, there have only been eight of them. And only one of them was actually successful. And that was Jeff Hostetler for the New York Giants when Phil Simms was injured back in 1990. So that was a long time ago. And then, and then we have a lot more recent examples of people not doing so well. Like the aforementioned Derek Carr in 2016, taking over. Connor Cook lost right away. Andy Dalton in 2015. AJ McCarron took over and lost right away. Christian Ponder in 2012. Joe Webb took over and lost right away. So... There you go. There's a lot of examples of how it would go the other direction. Only one example in which they actually make it there. But I think there is a possibility. I think there is a, a very slight possibility. All right. Let's ring the bell on that one. Let's get to our next topic. And that is possible NFC Super Bowl challengers. Because, you know, now that the Eagles are kind of knocked off the top spot, at least in terms of what their potential is into the playoffs, we have to think about who else in the NFC can actually be that team to challenge the Patriots or the Steelers. So tell me, what do you think, Ryan? What are your thoughts on possible NFC Super Bowl challenges? Oh, God, it's a, it's, it's a grim list for me because <laughs> the two teams I'm going to say are two teams I don't want to say. Um, but I, for me right now, it has to be the Vikings or the Rams. And I wow, say yep. that um, because of the coaching. I, I respect Mike Zimmer. I think he's got a great... Um, grasp of the game you you, you very very you very rarely see the, the vikings blunder um a situation or uh clock management anything like that um the rams i know mcveigh's young but he you know he's young enough that i haven't seen him mess something up to the point that i don't buy into him and i really right. think that's going to be the x factor um you look at that game last thursday night because i think the two teams that a lot of people will throw out are, are the saints and the falcons now yet you have the inexplicable <laughs> Run <laughs> where they where they pick up the first down on the uh, right before the half the Falcons do, and that's fine. Yep. You want to take your time, make sure you get the first down. Don't turn the ball back over to Breeze. Gotcha on board. But then they get the next play, and I think they picked up like eight yards over the middle, and they run the clock down from like forty five seconds to twenty three. Then there's a measurement. Yeah. They don't use the timeout. There's a measurement. A measurement comes out or a review. There's some kind of stoppage. They're not ready to go. They then use their timeout. And then Matt Ryan proceeds to throw a ball right into Marshawn Lattimore's hands 
which is just so typical Matt Ryan. You know, the, the, tight, <laughs> the tight of the moment, the tight of the yep. booty hole gets there for him. Um, yep. So he tightens up and makes a mistake. And then the Saints come down and say, hey, you dumbasses, we'll actually match you because we're actually going to have an illegal formation on a field goal, which I've heard, I've heard rules that, or explanations that Sean Payton thought that that formation was legal. Why, why are you reinventing the wheel? Just line up and kick a damn field goal like everybody does. You don't need an exotic formation. Just just line up like everybody's always done it and kick the damn ball. And it's like you watch that and they go, no, these two idiots don't get it. Dan Quinn is still the guy who blew the second half of the Super Bowl last year. And I'm a Pats fan, and I, and I'll, and I still put more of it on that idiot blowing it than I do the Patriots winning it. And so you have that, and you still have Sean Payton, which, you know, Sean Payton's always been that guy, you know, for years – you know, we still talk about fourth and two of Belichick. If, if the Saints don't recover that onside kick against the Colts in 2009, that would have been one of the dumbest coaching choices in the history of the Super Bowl. But it's one of those things that, you know, the, the, victor, writes, you know, the victor writes history. So it, right. it worked, and he wins, so it's a genius call. So I just don't believe in those two. So right now i got to go with, I guess, the, you know, the, the evil I don't know over the evil I do know. Yeah, and Sean Payton also kind of screwed up at the end of the game by running halfway onto the field. Uh, I guess he was – Maybe trying to call a timeout, really unclear, but that personal uh, foul penalty just, <laughs> just screwed them on their ability to actually have a last shot, second shot at winning the game. So, bad day for Sean Payton for sure. Now, let me just say this I agree, Rams, Vikings. I'll throw Seahawks into the ring as well. I think that um, Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind. Mike Davis might be the answer there if he can stay healthy on, uh, in the backfield. I just don't know. Um, but, you know, they have some potential, and they're, their defense is still pretty solid, although, you know, it's, it's a little bit of an up-and-down role for them uh, because they have a lot of injuries out there, but I, I think the Seahawks are uh, a potential NFC Super Bowl challenger as well, kind of floating out there. Any thoughts on the Seahawks? Yeah, I just thought that they were starting to make that run, and they, they stumbled in Jacksonville last week, and if they could have got some home field, uh, if they could have, you know, locked up a home field game, I'd have felt better about it. Um, right. So I'm a little bit waning on them, and yeah, it's a little bit reactionary after Sunday's game. But uh, you know that is what it is. But you know I, I've had a, um, I had them as kind of a dark horse going into last week. Um, right. Something me and you talked a lot about last year. That I agree this yep. year it's being proven out. Last year they lose Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman weren't enough. This year they lose Sherman and Cam Chancellor and still have yeah. Earl Thomas, and that secondary is still playing out of their minds. So, you know, once again, I'll give me and you credit for being right on that. Earl Thomas <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the cog that makes the Legion of Boom go around. So, I always um, love it when we give ourselves credit for being right. That's always a good time. And, I, and I'm, always, I'm always the guy to do it. So you got me here on your, on your corner. But, uh, but, yeah, so I, I think if the Seahawks can win out um, and, and have, you know, have some home field games here, um, that they could be, but I, I need to see a little more consistency. It feels like every time I think they turn the corner, uh, they have some kind of a stumble. Yep, I agree. All right, let's ring the bell on that one. Let's get on to uh, another topic here, which I am a big fan of because I'm a big fan of this guy. Devin Hester, one of the best return men in the history of the NFL, has retired. Most kick and punt return TDs of anyone in NFL history. That's 19. You can also add to that total one more non-offensive TD where he returned a missed field goal, 108 yards against the Giants for a touchdown. He also has the third most punt return yards of anyone in NFL history with 3,695. He was 2006 NFL All-Rookie Team. He went to four Pro Bowls, was first-team All-Pro three times, and was NFL Player of the Week 14 times, each one with a dynamic, uh, dynamic highlight 
And of course, my favorite memory of Hester was in Super Bowl 41 in Miami, where Hester caught Adam Vinatieri's opening kickoff, turned right towards the middle, ran through a wave of defenders, sprinted 92 yards for a touchdown, becoming only the eighth player to score a touchdown that way in a Super Bowl, and only the one that I recall to do so in the opening kickoff. Um, and I remember very, very clearly being in a room with a bunch of friends, having a Super Bowl party, uh, watching that happening, thinking we got this, and then watching uh, Sexy Rexy totally screw the rest of the game up. So at least that was that one highlight to remember. He was lighting fast. Devin Hester, he has amazing vision. Every time he touched the ball, you thought you had a chance. Uh, he was great, and he was uh, one of the best, and uh, I wish him all the best. Any thoughts on, on Devin Hester? Yeah, so the good news is I agree with uh, everything you said. Definitely the most uh, explosive uh, returner of my lifetime, um, you know, because – and I say that with the caveat that, you know, uh, being uh, 29 years old, that I, I miss the glory days of Dion. You know, Dion was, was towards sure. the end of Dion's yeah. career, towards the beginning of my football life. Um, the bad news for you is that if you ask me to describe Devin Hester's career in one word, I have it written down here, and it is blah. Blah. <laughs> Special team, guys. I guess you have blah. to put him in the Hall of Fame because he's probably the best to ever do it. But blah. Learn how to run uh, one route. Please, if you could have just, if you could have just, if you could have just been like the third, like the number three legit receiving option on any good offense, and you're a special teamer like that, I'd give you a ton of credit. But when that's yeah, all you can do, blah. Yeah, you know what? He he. Remember, he was a corner when he was in Miami, so you know he he actually was on defense, and maybe they should have just put him back there. I mean, he was a good he was a good cover corner. I mean, he was fast, and he had, I mean, he didn't have good hands, and that's why he was on defense. And that's why he didn't catch a lot of passes. I mean, he, he always got opened out. I mean, I, I remember 2009 when they put him out there as a receiver and he would create these great seam routes and then the ball would bounce off his hands. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's why he played defense and that's why he was a, a special ter- special team turn guy. Anyway, I, I still love the guy. Uh, he was actually, I, I had his jersey. I wore it every, for every game for a I long bet you time. Did. Yep, I, bet I was you a big did. fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, we'll move on to, to another topic right now, and we'll go ahead and uh, move on, and I get a chance to finally use this thing. Woo! There we go, a little bit of little lightsaber action there. That's, we're going to talk about the Patriots and the Steelers in Week 15, because as we said before, that is a that is going to be a pivotal AFC showdown. So tell us, what are your thoughts on the Patriots and the Steelers this weekend in uh, Pittsburgh? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting uh, storylines coming into this game besides the obvious that, um, you know, if either one of these teams wins out, including this weekend, they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. And uh, for the Pats, it's even more interesting because if the Pats end up losing this game and Jacksonville wins out, the Pats would fall to the three seed for the first time and I don't know how long uh, wow. I'll be watching football on, on Wild Card Weekend. And, and that Jacksonville <laughs> team's scary. Um, yeah, they are. You know, so... So anyway, so there's some interesting stuff with that. Um, there's some Malcolm Butler drama going on right now, so I would not be surprised to see him benched um, at the beginning of this game, which I think uh, the wow. Patriots need to do. He's pouting on the field. Um, this is a man who has let his contract affect him, and I get it. I do. But uh, at the end of the day, be a professional, man. Go out there and play. And, uh, you know, maybe the fact that he has been a professional is getting paid next to nothing, and it's directly responsible for one Super Bowl win, been a top five corner of the last two years, and won a second that he just doesn't really care right now. But um, So there's interesting stuff with that. But with the Patriots, um, 
you know, we've been here so many times before, and I have a friend, a really good friend who's a Pittsburgh fan, and I've made this joke my entire life because he's the same age we've grown up together. And I say every time we play you in the playoffs, it's good news because it usually ends in a year that we go to the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, Brady is uh, <laughs> 10 and 2 lifetime against Pittsburgh, and I have seen this movie 10,000 times. People fall in love with Pittsburgh's weapons and the and the history of the franchise and, and the mean defense. And Ben can uh, can scramble and extend plays. And what are the Patriots going to do to shut down Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell the last couple of years? I hear that, and they have Martavis and Juju and all this. And yet, every single time they come out and they run their zone defense and they run the zone blitzes, and Brady carves them up for 400 yards. And and uh, Gronkowski specifically. Um, usually is, go- is good for 10 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown or two against this team. And uh, offense- defensively, they always do enough to stifle Big Ben. And um, so it's been the story, my, you know, the same story my whole life. So long way of saying, as concerned as I am, especially with the Marcus Cannon news for the Patriots right now with that offensive line, um, I think Shazier going down, who's their best cover linebacker, not being able to cover, um, you know, the the backfield and the amount of weapons they have in the backfield and with Gronk back in there and everything, uh, you know, and then the, the history of the fact that the Belichick and Brady don't lose uh, back-to-back games more than once every like, three years together. And I think they just did it like two years ago. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a pretty good sign that they should be able to um, bounce back and win this. And, you know, by the law of averages, it's almost better for them that they lost last weekend. So um, I'm taking the Patriots only based on history, but I don't feel good about it. Okay, so I will say uh, I agree with almost everything you said. Uh, the one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit is that the Patriots' um, defensive front seven has been just decimated with injuries. Uh, Trey Flowers with a rib injury, linebacker Kyle Van Noy with a calf injury, um, you know, being out. Alan Branch was forced out with a knee injury last Monday. Uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going to happen if their defensive uh, defensive front seven and how that's going to uh, hold up against the, uh, the Steelers. But um, like you said, you know, Steelers love to play zone, and the Pats love to destroy zone, and Brady loves playing the Steelers. He's 10-2 and two, uh, against the Steelers all time, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a really tough game for both of them. So the Patriots are now currently favored by three. Over-under is, is 53. Money line is minus 155 for the Pats, plus 135 for the Steelers. You're taking the Pats to win, so I'm taking your – I think you're also taking them to cover the three-point spread. Yeah, I'll take them. I'll take them with a with a four-point victory. Um, probably okay. something like uh, 31-27. I think it will be a decently high-scoring game, though. And then the over/under. Then you're going to take the over on the 53, I assume. Yeah, I will. All right. So I I will actually go the other direction. I'm going to take the Steelers to win this one, but a really close one. I'm thinking like a 28-27 type game. Uh, and I will actually take the over as well. So I like the Steelers' money line at plus 135. I say, uh, you know, forget about taking the three points because if the Steelers win, they're going to win. Uh, it's, the three points is, is kind of senseless at this point. If the Patriots get rolling, though, I think they'll crush them like any time else. But it'll be an interesting game, and it will have a lot of implications on the EFC playoff uh, picture. All right, with that said, let's go ahead and ring the bell and get to our last topic real quick. And that is DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, Daily Fantasy Football. Uh, one of our favorite things to kind of cover at the end of our program. Let's take some suggestions, shall we? Uh, what are your suggestions for DFS plays this week, Brian? 
So I got one uh, running back and one wide receiver for you. Wide receiver, I'm taking D.D. Westbrook, 12.4 points per game in fantasy right now, and he's uh, $5,100, so good value pick, yeah. and uh, he's had a bit of a coming out party quietly here in the second half of the season. Um, and number two is a man who uh, was averaging uh, 8.8 points, and this is all off of DraftKings, uh, in fantasy mm-hmm. points this year. However, that is skewed because he was not the man uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, but he just torched my Patriots last week. Uh, he did a number <laughs> on Denver the week before, and he's still only at $5,800. Yeah. So I'm taking Kenyon Drake. Um, the, the jump cut he put on Patrick Chung and the jump cut, Ooh. I forget who it was wow. in Denver, uh, two weeks ago uh, on, on both on huge explosive runs. Um, you gotta, you, you got you to gotta buy into Kenyon Drake right now. The guy looks like the real deal. Yeah, so I, I will say that one of my two is actually also Kenyon Drake. I mean, he is – Fantastic. I also know that he's 6,500 on FanDuel. So he's the 16th ranked running back in terms of price on drafting Kings and 13th on FanDuel. So quite a value. They're going against the Bills now. The Bills have the 24th ranked defense against the run. So I think he's in for another big week. Um, if the weather is bad, you know, saw what Frank Gore did last few weeks of bad weather. I'm sure Kenyon Drake could do even better. Uh, so the other pick, and you're going to love this one, I'm taking Big Ben at home against the Patriots, 6,700 on DraftKings, 8,000 on FanDuel. He's the sixth quarterback in terms of price on DraftKings and FanDuel. Since the ninth week by, Big Ben is averaging over 336 passing yards per game and 2.8 touchdowns per game and just 0.8 interceptions per game. So Pat's defense is much improved, but, um, you know, they did get torched by Jay Cutler. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Big Ben will have to probably throw to keep up with Tom Brady. I like his value. All right. That's all I'm we off got. We're going to go. I'm sorry. I'm off the fence. Too much Pittsburgh love from you. The Pats are going to smack <laughs> Pittsburgh 31, 14. I'm over it. Big Ben sucks against new England. Uh, Le'Veon Bell will tap out with another growing injury. 31, 14. Pittsburgh sucks. <laughs> all right. I knew I had to get you there eventually. It only took us, a lot. it only took us 29 and a half minutes. All right. Give us your uh, Twitter and Instagram so people can follow you. Yeah, so if you want to listen to me, uh, you know, uh, my, my picks with reason as opposed to uh, his vi- uh, visceral hatred for the Patriots over there, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield NE, and you can follow me on Instagram, football underscore garbage underscore time, and check out my boys at DraftingSleepers.com, the social network for fantasy sports. And follow us at FB Garbage Time. Until next time, enjoy your NFL week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.